Welcome to the Leave No Doubt podcast. I'm so excited to welcome to the pod our new sponsors, Connection Technologies. A market leader in business-to-business tools, ranging from business mobile, hosted telephony and fixed line services. Head over to their website at www.connection-technologies.co.uk Fill in their web inquiry form and find out how Connection Technologies can help your business. Welcome to Leave No Doubt. I'm pleased that this uh, episode has been sponsored by Connection Technologies and I'm also pleased to have been joined by an ex-teammate, a very old ex-teammate, Joel Ward, currently Crystal Palace. Joel, how you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you. I'm not sure about the uh, extra old, though. Yeah, extra old, man. That would like to <laughs> give people some context. Obviously, listening to this, me and Joel were teammates when when we were very young. I was released at Portsmouth at, at 15. Joel went obviously on to make 95 appearances for the for the first team, maybe 95 league appearances Something and like, yeah, over 100 in all competitions, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and that you know leads me perfectly on to my first question, mate, really is the statistics on players making it into the first team from you know a young age of being involved in an academy is something like 0.01 something um you were in Portsmouth academy from from obviously a very early age and ended up like we just said making a lot of appearances for the first team what do you think it was about you that's able to be within that 0.01% of players that obviously go from youth team to first team um i th- i think for me my the biggest thing for me was always my attitude. Um, two things to make sure that I, I always gave a hundred percent in whatever I was doing. Um, my parents always used to say to me, "Whatever you're doing, do it with excellence." Um, and I tried to implement that in every area of my life uh, going forward. And you know, I, I don't think I was ever the the most gifted. And I think you know some of the players that we grew up with and playing, and some of the lads who were in the in the squad and at the academy and well it was a school of excellence at the time when that so it's not an academy but um even in the scholarship um side of things it was all you know there was far more talented players but i think you know the the hard work and the sacrifices that i made and the commitment i had to to try to make it was uh, you know what maybe set me apart I might get you to move that microphone, Wardy, just a, yeah, a little bit closer to your mouth as it, as it goes in and out. If you just yeah, shift it to wherever you like, mate, that might be a little bit better. Um, Is that better? Yes, yeah, perfect. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you're right, mate. And obviously from an e- a very early age, that, that sort of attitude and hard work that you had was, was apparent really in every training session, obviously every match day. When did you become aware that, you know, or not maybe aware of what hard work was because obviously, you know, you're, you're saying your parents had that influence on you from a very early age, but when did you realise what hard work looked like from a football perspective specifically? Um, I guess kind of, I think I was one of the last ones to get told about my scholarship. Um, I think it was between me and one other, uh, one other lad and it obviously... It, it came through that it, it was me and my old man was driving me to school one day and just said, listen, how would you feel about if you if you got your scholarship um, and how would you feel if you didn't get your scholarship? And, you know, I laid out kind of my thoughts and my process and my plan and what I kind of wanted to, to try and achieve. And um, I guess when he told me that, you know, I had got it, um, there was something inside me that was like, right, okay, 
you know, the podcasters leave no doubt. It was kind of like, all right, okay, what am I going to do and what, how am I going to um, put in place things that give me the best chance and the best opportunity to make a career out of what I love to do. Um, and I've always lived by, you know, I don't want to have any regrets. Um, you know, there might be things that I might do differently. And when you look back, go, okay, may have done this slightly differently had a, if I got another chance to go back and do it. But for me, I, I don't want to have any regrets. I want to make sure that I give everything I've got. And I guess from that moment when I had the scholarship on the table, I was kind of like, right, I've, I've got to almost make this happen. And, you know, I can be the best. I can be the most talented. I can be whatever. But if I don't put and apply myself in the right way and I don't put in the hard work, then, you know, I'm not going to succeed. Um, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve um, and get to where I want to get to. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it was about me, Wardy, maybe during that time, but I never really felt like I was, I was going to get one. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I never really had that dilemma that you had about like, I'm not sure if they're going to give me one or not. I sort of just felt like, oh, this is, it's not going to happen for me. But when you obviously mentioned that you you felt like you were one of the last to get a, a scholarship, was that something that you were actually aware of? Like, because obviously we all knew that, you know, Matty Ritchie, obviously who's been on a podcast, got one when he was like 14, 15, and, and he was sort of like the outstanding player in that group at, at that time. But I can't remember any of the rest of the, the guys at that age group being like super talented or or definitely, definitely going to gonna get one. So what did you know? What was it like, obviously, during that period of time when you, you're sort of mentioning that you thought you were one of the last like, what did that do for you because you know the reason why I say that I've heard Declan Rice talking about it how that you know he was part of a of a youth team I think at West Ham that players were given uh, scholarships and professional contracts and he was just given a scholarship which he felt like at the time was a little bit of a like a not not, not a knockoff but it wasn't as good as what other people had got and I'm sort of you know questioning whether because you thought I was one of the last to get one that it maybe gave you the extra de determination and extra hunger to to sort of maybe surpass those guys that you thought you were picked after, you know? Yeah, I, um, I guess I haven't really thought about it in that in that context. But for me, I just knew that um, no one's going to work as hard as what I am. No one's going to put in you know much hours or do extras as much as what I can. I can do and I'm, I was going to give everything I had to, and kind of leave everything out on the pitch when I went out there and try and do as much extra or try and do whatever I can to give myself the opportunity. Um, I guess, you know, being one of the, I think, I think there was a certain like cutoff period where um, you were, you were able to get your scholarship or something like that. It might've been a date or a time or something like that. And I think, you know, I went to bed, um, I think the night that my dad got the call and it wasn't until the following day that we were driving into school and that's when I kind of knew. So it wasn't even that I had a conversation with, with Portsmouth um, and then um, was offered it. It was, they well, Wardy's gone to bed. So um, they told my old man. So it was kind of an odd one like that. But I think as well, for me, I, you know, I owe Portsmouth a lot because growing up, I only ever played once a month uh, for Portsmouth. I obviously played for teams outside of Portsmouth um, on Saturdays or whatever, but until it was under 16s, we played on Sundays. Um, so I only ever played once a month, but they honoured 
you know, our commitment with our faith and church and stuff like that. And, um, you know, even going through that process, you know, I knew that when it came time, I just had to give everything. Yeah, I was interested, obviously, to, to ask you about that, Wardy, because we were aware of that as players, obviously, that we'd see you, you know, once a Sunday in a month. And and that wasn't anything that anyone questioned, really, at the time. That was just, that was just your circumstances. That was just the situation you were in, obviously, with your with your family and your faith and stuff. And did that add to your hunger to, to play professional football? Like how, how did you manage to balance that relationship, obviously, with the church and, and your desire to become a professional footballer? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think nowadays it's slightly different because there's multiple services throughout the week, Sundays, Saturdays, whatever it is. So it's not as much of a an issue nowadays. But I think, you know, back then, because we were so heavily involved with the church, um, Sundays was kind of a bit of a write-off. Um, so that's why I think my parents had, to, had decided that that was the way in which that we were going to do things. And I think in that moment and in that time, as, as I'm sure any young kid, teenager would, they were, everyone was kind of like, hold on a second, I just want to play football. Why, why can't I go and... Um, play every week um, but I knew that for me um, and looking back on it now and and kind of reflecting on it I knew you know making that stance and honouring that was the best decision I've, I've kind of ever made um, and I think you know it was an, it was an, it's a, almost quite a incredible story to go hold on a second I only played once a month for X amount of years until I was under 16s um, for Portsmouth, yet I kind of bucked the trend and was part of that 0.01% or whatever it may be. So, I mean, why do you think that is then? Uh, I know it's like it's sort of a real, um, like not specific question to ask. And obviously on Saturdays, we actually played in the same Saturday team for, for quite a while. We were at East Lodge for, for years, right? We had some sort of Galacticos East Lodge team for, was, for a while right? that was good fun to play in. Um, but why do, why do you think, it, you know, how, how do you think you did develop then as, as a player? Do you think you were doing enough in, in obviously in training sessions or like what do you think you, you managed to to not lose out on by missing sort of match days on a Sunday and you know, obviously for three weeks out of a month? I think, I guess, uh, I guess my, my circumstances of where I grew up, I was outside constantly playing football. I had an older brother who was competitive and playing football. He was... Portsmouth and Chelsea and uh, I think he was at Southampton for a time as well and um, so I was kind of playing with them and playing up ages and, and what have you when, when I was playing with them and training and, and everything so that developed a little bit of a, a just a competition and healthy competition between us um, and also being in that environment where you've kind of got your backs against the wall when you're the smallest you're the youngest and you've got to kind of fight your way through it um, so I guess like it for me, I just kind of, I guess my determination to succeed um, and my determination to give myself the best chance. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of the time, Wally, don't really, obviously, like, you'd probably listen to most football player stories and, and the word hard work, you know, I was hard working and, and I worked hard. Obviously, that gets spoken about quite a lot. But I wonder with you, like, what specifically did did hard work mean to you and, and what did it look like? Like, how did it reflect in your football lifestyle? Like, what sort of stuff are you actually doing? Maybe in those sort of, like, scholarship years when you're saying, I was I was desperate to work harder than everybody else. I was desperate to, to do more extras because I know for a fact that, you know, Matt Ritchie was thinking the same thing. So, what, mm. you know, how were you able to um, to obviously pursue those 
um, desires that you had to work hard. But what also did that literally look like? Like, what was it that you were doing? Um, I guess, like for me, it was there was a lot of gym based stuff um, that I would do externally after after training, even away from training. Um, obviously, on the pitch, I'd I'd want to you know speak to the coaches. I'd want to kind of develop. I want to kind of stay after and and learn um watching as well um watching the first team kind of just trying to be around it and trying to get a feel for the environment that they work in um and i guess as well even you know i touched on it earlier about the sacrifices i think for me i think i, I remember we had a like a code of conduct that we all signed as scholars um, when it was like, right, okay, you can't be out past this time. You, you kind of you can't be in certain environments or this, that, and the other. Um, and, you know, for me, I kind of eliminated all the distractions um, because I knew I wasn't necessarily the most talented, but I knew that if I kind of applied myself in the right way and I gave myself the best shot, then I've got a chance of, of making it and carving out a career. Um, so parties, going out, whatever it may have been, drinking, or anything like that, I kind of just eliminated everything that could be potential distractions along the way um, so that I could focus, you know, 100% and wholeheartedly on pursuing the dream. See that sense of humility that you've got, mate, that you, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times that you didn't feel like you were the most talented but you know we sit here across the table and, and you've just been surpassed by obviously Zaha as, as Crystal Palace's all-time Premier League appearance maker like you you don't reach those levels unless you're talented but you you sort of sit and, and say to yourself that you may not have been the best player in your in your youth team um, you also talk just then about going to coaches and, and asking for their opinions and and wanting to learn and I'm not sure how you feel about it, mate, but I don't think that youth players at the moment in this modern sort of era of football have that mentality. I, I think a lot of them, and you know, a lot of them might correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of them seem to think that they know everything already. Um, and that that sense of like wanting to learn and, and sense of realism as to where they are at, at the stage in their career isn't as big as what it was, I, I think, mm. when things like social media or... or other people telling you you're amazing all the time was was a was was sort of a thing. Um, how much of a benefit do you think that that attitude that you had towards learning and and sort of like the humility you've got to show in in your own game has benefited your football long term? I think massively. Um, you know, I think you you have to be teachable, and you have to have a kind of a teachable attitude and, and spirit about yourself because you're never too good to to develop you're never too good to learn you're never too good to kind of um you know raise the bar and i think once you get to a point where you think that you are that's when issues are gonna occur and you're gonna get sloppy or you're gonna you know let things slide or let your standards slide and um i think we're all we're all guilty of it to a certain certain extent but um you know for me i i kind of always wanted to lead by example and, and make sure that, you know, no one could come back and say, oh, well, you, you didn't do this or you didn't give this a hundred percent or you kind of skipped this and, and, and what have you. And I think you're, you're doing yourself an injustice if you, if you don't, you know, lean on the experience that you've got around you or, you know, if you're in a first team environment and you're, 
you know you're fortunate enough to train with the first team or um you're a you know an environment where you've got you know, amazing coaches around you you know i think it's silly not to lean on them and ask questions or kind of you know try to understand what it takes to achieve what they've what they've achieved um so yeah talk to me mate about the process then of um you know we've obviously mentioned that 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 sort of 0.01% of youth players that make it into their first teams but talk to me about the process of how you go from scholarship job ward into probably training with the first team a lot but not necessarily part of match day squads to match day squad as, as a substitute or not, or you're probably traveling to games as somebody who's, who's making up the squad which most obviously young players who end up in first teams go through and then eventually you become Joel Ward the first team Portsmouth player mm. talk to me about the process between sort of each bit and and how you managed to or how did it feel when you went from you know that youth player who is sometimes easily dismissed or easily dropped or easily not picked to Joel Ward that had to be in the starting eleven. Um, I guess for me, I, I, I kind of it was quite a straightforward journey. I guess like my scholarship, you know, I saw out those two years, and I was fortunate enough to get a professional contract. And actually, that first year of my professional contract, I think oh eight oh nine season, I actually went on loan. Um, so it wasn't I wasn't involved with the squad. I wasn't you know uh, necessarily involved with the first team at Portsmouth at the time. It was kind of my scholarship. I'd go down now and again and train with the first team, um, and you kind of just get the curly finger. So I have to sprint down and fill in or be a mannequin so the first team could do what their session was set out to be. Um, but I went out on loan, and you know, for me, that was a an awakening that you know you're you're fighting for your livelihood, you're fighting for something real, and you you've got to go from a, a boy to a man. Like a click of a finger. You played in the Bournemouth um, season that was minus seventeen, right? So was, yeah. So oh. I kind of went there, obviously minus seventeen, um, and and uh, I think we were we were still kind of around zero points come come late December, Christmas time. Uh, we just kind of got ourselves, you know, across across the line. Um, it wasn't long after that I actually got injured um, and was out for the best part. I think three months. I completely ruptured my ankle. Um, and then I came back for the last few games of the season. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a real awakening for me. Like, like I said, just to you know, be put into that environment where, you know, you're playing and it, it matters is in a league. You're, you're fighting to stay in the league. Um, and you're also fighting to, you know, gradually climb up that ladder. Um, obviously then coming back into, into Portsmouth, I remember I was here when we, when I was at Bournemouth, they kind of spoke about signing me permanently at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, I, Eddie Howe was the manager at the time and we had a conversation. I said, listen, I need to try to go back to Portsmouth and give it a shot at, you know, breaking into the first team. And that's my dream to play as high as I can and be in the Premier League, etc. cetera. Um, and I think obviously when I went back to Portsmouth, I kind of uh, was involved on periphery, and then I made my debut um, in the cup, and then was in, like on the bench for you know the first few games of the season, um, and then I was out for a long period of time because I had stress fractures and um, in my pelvis and some see just development, growth and issues. 
Uh, and then when I came back, I, I started playing and I made a few Premier League appearances. And then obviously, um, obviously the club went into administration and was relegated. And then obviously the championship season then was um, where kind of I was thrown in and was kind of learning my trade in different positions. I was playing like left back, centre back, right back in the midfield on the wings, um, which for me was kind of a little bit alien, but also... I used to my advantage that I could adapt to different positions. I could adapt and learn, you know, what I needed to do in certain you know, positions on the pitch, um, which then I think has helped me throughout the years to understand the game a little bit more and maybe have more of a tactical awareness on how to, how to go about game. I've got nice, yeah, I've got a nice section, mate, of, of talking to you about, um, you, you know, your, process of positions and that sort of development of your career going in from one to the other. So I think actually I've got down here that you used to, you played number 10 for Portsmouth, like an attacking midfielder for, for a while. And obviously, like you said, you played right back, centre back, left back. Um, but the first thing I want to jump on is sort of when you say awakening, obviously when you spent that time at Bournemouth, because, you know, we were in the same car school for, for a lot that season, me, you, Lee Bradbury, Sammy Igo, um, Jason Pierce, all travelling from sort of that um, Portsmouth area to, to Bournemouth every day. When you say awakening, um, like what sort of was it about? Because I wasn't really playing in the first team that, uh, at that time, sort of, sort of a substitute, but obviously you were playing in every game and, and playing very well, I might add. What was it about that time, do you think, that you, you, you know, what did you learn about your own game? And not just in terms of your football on the pitch, but in, in terms of your mentality of what you could deal with and, and that sort of pressure of minus 17 for a young player coming in on loan is is enormous really that sort of like the severity of the situation at the time I'm not sure how much obviously at the time that you would have understood what that meant obviously to, to people around Bournemouth and the club and stuff but you managed to deal with that you know that exceptionally well at the time what do you think it was about that you know about that situation that you managed to deal with so well um, I guess obviously you know I've been blessed to have such a like great support network around me um, with my family and, and friends etc so that's always been a strong foundation for me. Um, you know, when when I think about that season at Bournemouth, I guess it for me it was just kind of an opportunity to um, put myself on the map and give everything and and kind of uh, hopefully start that journey of having a career in football. Um, you know, I, I think it was almost a, a dream to be walking out, you know, on a, on a pitch and crossing that white line as a profession. Um, you know, and I think, you know, that process was, you know, it, it was in, incredible in, in many ways just because, you know, I think we, it, it's kind of in the process that you kind of, you learn about yourself and you go through certain different scenarios and certain different um, experiences. It's it's how you develop as a, as a person. I think everything that's happened or everything that had happened up until that date had prepared me for, that time and then everything after that time had prepared me for the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge so I think you're you're kind of always developing as a person um for me you know I knew that if I could do my part to help if I could do my part or in any way on or on and off the pitch um you know that's gonna hopefully benefit the people that's around me that's gonna benefit um, the club, it's going to benefit my family, it's going to benefit me, it's going to give me the opportunity um, 
to go on and, and kick on. And I think for me, it was always about not resting on your laurels, but kind of, you know, finding that, um, finding the way to continually develop and raise the bar and, and get better and challenge yourself, um, whether it's any goals or, or what have you. But um, I just felt that this is where I was supposed to be and, and I wanted to make sure that I, when I got that opportunity, I took it with both hands. You speak obviously incredibly well, mate, about that period of time now and you, uh, and you can sort of reflect and say that it meant this to you and, and that's how you feel. Uh, obviously, in that moment, that's how you felt. But were you that aware of, of how you were feeling at the time? Have you been able to do that in your career? So I'm interested of obviously giving people a bit of insight as to you seem really, you know, emotionally intelligent and, and, and aware of the situation that you're in in the present. Like, are you able to, to know that at the time when you was at Bournemouth, you understood obviously what it was that you wanted to get out of it and how you were going to do that? Have you been able to do that in your whole career? Um, I don't know, really. I guess to an, ex to an extent. Um, and I guess that's where, you know, having honest conversations with yourself, but also with the support network around you about what, what do you want to achieve and how does life look? You know, not just in this present, but five, ten years down the line and going going forward. Um, I guess that those conversations kind of put uh, seeds in, in your heart, in your body or whatever it may be, kind of that you want to try and, you know, get to. Um, and, and that's obviously goal setting and, and what have you. I, I remember when I first moved to Palace, it was kind of like, right, okay, well, you know, I'm 22 years of age. Uh, you know, I've had a great couple of years at Portsmouth in the championship and developed myself into a, a championship player. And I want to make sure that I continue to move forward and, you know, come into Palace, it's a new environment. It's a new kind of challenge. How can I use this opportunity to kick on and hopefully by, you know, 25, whatever, be knocking on the door of the Premier League because that's then the next challenge um, or the next goal or the next ambition um, to play as high as I can. Uh, and, you know, it actually happened in the first season that we were we were there. Um, so I guess you've always got kind of things to look to, um, but it doesn't just stop when you get there if you know what I mean yeah have you been able to do that a lot and it obviously is have you goal set a lot in your career is that something that you've done every like I say everywhere you've been but you've only obviously been with Portsmouth and and Palace so and obviously Bournemouth on loan but it, is the process of goal setting something you think is quite important yeah I think I think so um for me I think consistency is is uh something that you know I've always wanted to try to maintain um and i think in in making sure that you give a hundred percent and doing the basics and and <clears throat> not resting on your laurels that, that consistency will come um and i think for me it was it was kind of a foundation i knew that right i've got this opportunity i've got this chance um and i've got to apply myself 100% in whatever I do until the day I, I hang my boots up. Um, and I think that competitive spirit in me has kind of built this 
uh, almost, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it, kind of just just churning out as, as, as high a performance as I can possibly do week in, week out, and that's in training as well. I wanted to, so let's let's get into this uh, position stuff together, mate, because it's an overriding theme really of your career, and and something that I wanted to really focus on because I think it's going to be amazing key takeaways for for people who are listening to this. Obviously, trying to develop their own games is that you are able to play in almost every position on the pitch and do an incredible job. That's you've done that across your whole career, and you've just spoken about there at Portsmouth, sort of like developing your game and and becoming a championship player. And playing left back, centre back, right back, right midfield, left midfield, attacking midfield, um, all these different positions that you probably have never been taught before in your career and just had to learn on the spot. You're obviously like an incredible, um, intelligent footballer, uh, you know, intelligent guy, but in terms of like the football intelligence, that's that's something completely different. And you were able to understand and get things without maybe having to be told about them. How were you able to? Uh, like give me an insight mate into the process of you understanding different positions understanding different roles understanding how you are able to use your attributes to excel in those positions like what what did that all look like um i don't know really i guess uh the way i saw it I was i was always adding a string to the bow um you know would i have made the appearances that i had had i not been able to do that i I don't know. I can't. I can't answer that. But you know, by the grace of God, I've been you know blessed to have played the amount of games I have, and you know, I always saw it as an opportunity to to, like I said, add a string to the bow, um, to develop and to learn. Uh, and I think just from watching football and playing and messing around as a as a kid playing in all different positions, uh, even you know, outside being professional. Um, I think I just kind of had a natural instinct of right. Okay, well, where do I need to be at this certain time, or what do I need to do? Where's my body position? Um, and it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be you know the right way all the time. But if I can kind of, like I said, get that consistency of you know understanding a position, um, it's only going to benefit me because you know if I'm playing against someone, I can. I understand where what they might be thinking or where they might be going or um how to combat you know their threats uh or if I change the position then I can you know learn and kind of maybe have an impact uh and also you know I've always had the attitude of if I'm on the pitch I'm 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 happy I'm kind of content I want to make sure that I give everything I want to make sure that I do my best um and you know, I'm I'm happy to play anywhere, providing I've got a shirt on and my boots on, and I'm kind of going out there and doing what I love to do. So, where do you sit, mate, on the uh, sort of like on the argument of when you're young and players are obviously developing, you were able to to understand different positions just by instinct, as you sort of given us an insight into. But how much time do you suggest that that guys who are who are obviously develop, developing their games spend on understanding different positions, or nailing down one or uh, you know it might break that down as in sort of like being great at one position or being good at many others like which what side of the fence would you would you sit on if you had um, a choice it's it's a tough one because i mean you know i don't know had i just now down one position and that had been it like i said i don't know whether i'd made 
as many appearances as I, as I had. Um, or maybe I've gone on to play higher or get a cap or whatever it may be. But um, for me, I, I think there's no harm in you know being able to play in various different positions. Um, and I think you know it gives you an understanding of of the game um, and maybe a little bit more of an understanding of the game. I, I don't know too many you know players now that don't play in multiple positions. Um, you know, if you're a winger, you're still playing on anywhere across the front line. Um, okay, they're different different positions. You're either on the left, you're on the right, and you're coming inside, you're going outside, you're going down the line, or you're driving inside and kind of trying to link up play, or you're playing up top and you've got to hold the ball up or make the runs in behind but, and channel runs and stuff. But I think majority of players now have a greater understanding of, of the game, and I think that is due to obviously looking at it um, watching the clips and learning the tactical side of the game and I think that's becoming more and more um, prevalent in, in today's game that players can adapt and and you see that with City you know Bernardo Silva sometimes playing left back and then coming into midfield and rolling in and Carl Walker's rolling into that kind of defensive midfielder as, as the game's developing um, so I think it's it's uh, I say again it's definitely a string to to the bow um, as long as you treat it that way analysis has certainly changed the game mate isn't it and obviously like social media um, YouTube videos things like match of the day and Monday night football and all the you know all the gadgets that really that pundits have got access to now that, that obviously give fans and people with uh, without sort of insight into to being a professional footballer um, they can sort of gather opinions now on on different positions and different attributes um, and attributes is something that really that, that I sort of wanted to tail into because how were you aware or how did you become aware and how how, how aware have you been across your career as to, to how your attributes can make you excel on, on a match day? And the reason why I asked that is because, um, you know, I think it's important and speak to obviously a lot of guys on this podcast and they all had different attributes that ultimately add to their team, right? And when were you aware of you know, how your attributes were going to be able to excel on a match day in a certain position um, and contribute to successful results for a team? Um, I guess really, you know, for me, I, I knew that when I would cross that white line, I'd do everything to help whoever's alongside me, in front of me, um, to try to obviously do my best um, bring what I can to to the table, whether that's leading by example or you know, you know, put it simple, winning the ball, giving it to someone who's you know got the flair to go and beat someone and stick it in the back of the net. Or um, you know, I think for me it was it was I come back to again the consistency. I wanted to make sure that I'd done my job to the best of my ability um, and gave. You know the when when I performed and when I crossed that white line that I knew that I was giving everything I could for the team. Um, and obviously, it's an individual. You want to perform to your best of your ability because that's obviously going to only benefit you know your career. Um, but I knew that I could help others along the way, and I think as I've gone further down the line, and obviously 
played a lot of games and obviously got experience, I want to be able to help the younger generation develop as well. And I think, you know, people can get caught up on social medias and uh, this and that and the, the flair and the tricks and this uh, and what have you. But I think really if you if you can excel in the basics and apply yourself in the right manner, um, then all the other stuff will, will come. Um, you know, I guess I'm I'm a little bit old school in my in my mindset at times, um, and for me, I I kind of just want to make sure that I know. Like I said at the start of the podcast, I leave kind of no regrets uh, when I walk off that pitch and when I finish in in years to come. Um, but I guess like for I think in terms of the attribute side of things. I just knew that if I could do my job, my role to the best I can, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to trust that process. I'm so glad, mate, that you've just touched on, uh, on, on having exceptional basics. Cause I think that's something that I even try and if, if any young players obviously playing at my level or, or in academies or whatever is ever, ever asked me like, what is it that you need to do obviously to reach a certain level? And I don't know what it takes to reach your level, mate, but even at my level, like exceptional basics uh, are just like the bare minimum. And I think people's perception sometimes of, of that professional footballers are able to do this, that and the other absolutely every time they're on the ball or on the pitch is, is, a, is a massive misconception really. And almost 99% of the game is literally basics, is, is being in the right position. It's being able to control the ball in the right way. It's being able to pass the ball in the right way. It's being able to compete or give information, uh, you know, basic information in the right way. And I don't want this to come across as, as if I'm saying that you're basic, but it's, it's more so that like exceptional basics are what has allowed you to play uh, almost 300 times in the Premier League, almost over 450 yeah. times in your career at the top level. Like well, I think they, they give you that foundation, right? A million percent. Um, and, you know, it's, it's from there, then you can build. Um, and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play with some, some amazing players, uh, but again they do the simple things really well and i think people get caught up on the whole well is that enough but it is it is enough um to do those things to the best of your ability will obviously give you the foundation to go on and achieve all that you know you go on to achieve and i mean having watched it like you know is um when obviously you grow up with someone in the youth team, Audi obviously had, like in the whole career, always like a, I've been like, I wonder, like especially with Matty and, and yourself who are in the same youth team and have done so exceptionally well, we've sort of got an eye on like, oh, are they getting on? Or, or when you, when a game is on and, and you're playing, like oh, I've always got an eye on how you're doing and stuff and always been like incredibly impressed, mate, with just like your ability to adapt to every level that you've been at. And one of the questions that I asked uh, some of the guys that I've spoken to in the Premier League that maybe don't start there. Having said that, obviously you made a couple of appearances for Portsmouth in the relegation series in the in the season in the Premier League. But I always sort of asked, do you think you became a Premier League or have you always been a Premier League player? And a couple of the guys who I've asked have said, no, I was always a Premier League player. I was just in the wrong level. And a couple of the guys have said, no, I became a Premier League player. Where do you sit with that? Um, I think it's a, it's a tough question because I, I don't think there's any you're not entitled to anything. Um, 
And that's the way I've always kind of felt is that I've got to go out and earn whatever I achieve is is by one, the grace of God, but also hard work. He's given me the ability, he's given me the opportunity to go out there and it's it's then almost down to me to, to execute it. Um, so I, I never, you know, think that, okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Premier League player and that's a given. Um, I think along the, along the way you, you develop and you kind of adapt to the situation and the environment. And, you know, I think not resting on your laurels and not kind of sitting back and going, Oh, look at me, happy days. I've, I've made it. Um, because as soon as you do that, you know, that someone will take your, take your spot. Um, you know, I've always felt like I've had to fight for everything I've achieved. Um, and I'll go on to do that. You know, I'm still as competitive as ever. I'm still as ambitious as ever. I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not ready to, to down tools and look back and go, oh, well, look at that. What a great career. Um, because I feel like there's still so much to give and so much to do and so much to accomplish. Um, and I guess, you know, whether it was League One, League Two, the Championship, non-league, I would have been in the same mindset that when I cross that white line, I've got to give everything I can. And I think that's in any walk of life, whether it's as a tradesperson, as a banker, or whatever it may be, I think my outlook and my moral compass has always been to make sure that, you know, I can look myself in the mirror knowing that I've given everything. Um, so I wouldn't say that I was a player to fit any league. I was a player that, and I, I am a player who will strive to be the best I can be. And I will never stop until, you know, I can no longer, no longer do it. That was amazing. Uh, answer to a question, mate, that's actually quite a difficult, difficult one to answer. Yeah. Uh, I've, you know, I had another conversation actually with a guy called Stuart Sinclair, who was a teammate of mine at Bristol Rovers. And he said exactly the same thing. I thought it was real powerful. Oh, he said, um, like he, he made his football league debut when he was 27 after having been released at, at, from Luton Town at the 18, the age of 18. He then obviously played non-league until he was 27, went to Bristol Rovers, got promoted into the league and made his, his sort of football league debut. And he said, he said, I never had the ambition to become a football league player. I just wanted to be the best version of myself. Mm. And wherever that obviously took me was, was where it went. How consistent are you? And it's sort of asking, uh, uh, I guess, for you to be completely honest, how consistent are you with that, you know, striving to be the best version of yourself? And how does that reflect in, in your life? Um, as in, like, obviously, like, I, I know you're a dedicated professional, but striving to be the best version of yourself, is that like a 24-hour, seven days a week, 365 days a year thing? Like, how much leeway do, do you have with that? Um, I certainly, from the outlook, think of it as that. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Um, I think now more so than ever, um, with, with having kids, um, I want to set an example to them, uh, that, you know, I think in life, if we can be the best people, we can be the best version of ourselves. That's, that's the that's the goal. Um, you know, in, in a professional aspect, I've always 
wanted to apply myself in the right way. Um, and I, obviously there's always moments when you go through life where, you know, things slip or things kind of get put on the back burners or certain circumstances happen or dips of form or whatever it may be. And, and life is never straightforward. So there's always times when it's not easy um, and you're going through certain things. Um, but I think, you know, for me, I always looked at it as that like storms will come and go, but where you stare during that storm is, is what matters. Um, and I think, you know, the commitment to a decision is the only thing that matters as well. So if you can commit wholeheartedly to whatever decision it's made, um, then it's going to be fruitful and you're going to be successful in what you do. Uh, and I think being the best version of yourself is you're only really, yeah, I, th I think as a, as a person, um, you can only change your circumstances. You can only be responsible for the way in which that you respond to situations. Um, and you can only affect what's going on, you know, around you. Um, you know, a lot of things you can't affect. Um, so I, I've always felt that if I can control myself and control the things that I can control and are tangible to me, then, um, you know, the rest will take care of itself. But I think going back to going back to the start is for me now it's it's not just about myself it's about how I'm an, I'm an example to my my kids and my boys um you know and I want to be the best role model I can be uh to them and in doing so I know that I'll be the best version of of myself so when that gets it's an incredible answer, mate. And we obviously had like a we'll post online um, intros into each episode and stuff. So what you've just said there is probably going to make that. That's that was you know a great statement. The um, during these challenging moments, then, mate, you just touched on there. Sort of the one bit I I picked out of obviously in, in amongst all the rest of it was was dips of form because we're talking about football specifically, right? And although you are like one of the most consistent guys that I, you know that I've seen play, I can imagine that it's not easy, and especially at playing at Palace and Portsmouth, the fan base are, are incredible. Both fan bases are incredible. They've sort of got that DNA, that sort of like English DNA of just a passionate club um, that always, and probably the reason why you've rubbed off on them quite well was because they just demand effort, 100% 100 effort, right? And that's all something that you always give. But in the moments that there are bad results and there are bad times and um, there might be dips of form and, and, and bad performances, those fan bases are actually quite difficult because they're, you know, they're, they're pressurised situations and and fans expect results and, and good performances. How have you been able to, in your careers, we're not talking about sort of like a like a small football club, like these these two clubs are massive. How have you been able to to overcome all those sort of challenging times and dips in form and bad results and that sort of stuff to always come back stronger and always come back as, you know, being able to perform uh, very well on a match day? Um, I guess so. Key thing for me is having the people around you. Um, I think you need to make sure that you've got people around you that share the same um, vision as you, share the same ethos as you, but can also um, 
have an honest conversation with you as well to to help you to develop you to make you better and to challenge you as a person um you know i, I i'm my biggest critic and you know i'll be hard on myself if i'm if i know i haven't performed and my performances haven't been at the level that they i know they should be or i know they can be um but i also know that you know in giving a hundred percent the majority of the time hopefully are are perform to where I where I need to be um but I'm also human so we make mistakes and you have the best intentions and I don't think there's any player that would ever go out there um you know with the intentions to make a mistake or with the intentions to not perform at the best level um but you know life is life and situations happen and uh dipping form happens but I think when you come back to the the fan base I think you know, I have been incredibly lucky with the fans that we've had. Uh, you know, I think they're certainly some of the best fans in the country for no, with, with, without doubt. Um, and I think the large majority of, of fans across the country will ask again for the basics. Um, as long as the player goes out there and wears that shirt with pride and gives everything that they can give for that shirt, then they gain the respect of, of the fan base. Um, and I think for me, you know, hopefully I can hold my hands up and hopefully I can I can look back in years to come and know that, you know, I gave everything I could give and you know, that was what I brought to, to the party and, you know, I can look any fan in the face and know that, you know, I always went out there to represent that club, to wear that badge on my chest and to give a hundred percent. Um but I guess I guess the biggest thing for me is, is having that support group around you um, that, you know, can build you up, help you, can tell you straight as well if it's not good enough, um, can challenge you as a person, uh, you know, with a, in, in any walk of life. But I think, uh, yeah, I think everyone goes out there with the best intentions. That's cool. great. Yeah, great advice, mate. And um, quite often, you know, and I know football, obviously, uh, people need to prepare themselves that football's not always, um, it's not always great. Obviously, we do it because there's these moments that make you feel amazing and they don't always come. If anything, there's probably more lows than there are highs, but I don't want to, you know, we've discussed sort of like how to get over lows and stuff. You know, what I'm really interested in is um, is the highs because you've had quite a lot of them. You've had, obviously, the promotion at Palace in which you obviously played a, a vital role in that game and Cleveland off the line, which I'm sure is is just a you know every Palace's fans dream to thank you for that moment and um, obviously goals that you've scored, uh, incredible results like I know that like just famous games obviously that you've won and been involved in at, at you know at Sellers Park and um, incredible atmospheres and these are like these things are sort of like giving me goosebumps a little bit and and for you to have been the person to have gone through that, how are you able to deal with highs? To deal with like i mean you must come home sometimes and think oh, i was that was amazing today that felt amazing and then wake up the next day i'm going to strive to do it again because a lot of people would just accept that you know it's, let's take that moment in the playoff final where you clear one off the line you get promoted what is it about you wardy that's you know look, i can imagine a day later you'd have gone right now now i need to get ready for the premier league instead of just going on holiday for three weeks on the piss because you've had the best moment of your life do mm. you know what i mean not what what is yeah what i think i think there's there's i think there's when I was maybe younger, you kind of go, right, okay, on to the next, on to the next. I think 
as you look back now and you, you look at those moments, um, I'm pleased that, you know, you celebrate those moments. I think in the, in the times when, you know, you get, get promoted, you win games, you do this and that. I think there's something to be said for actually appreciating that moment um, because you can quite easily, you know, look for the next thing and look for the next thing and not realise, you know, what you've achieved um, as a group, as an individual. Uh, I think it's, I think it's really important to kind of take stock and go, okay, this is, this is where we're at. Um, and, and every now and again, look back and go, look how far we've come uh, or look how far I've come or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I definitely think there's, there's positives in, making sure that you, you know, let those moments sink in. Um, it doesn't change the fact that the hard work then starts. You know, when we got promoted, it was kind of, you know, a, a, an incredible journey, incredible story, because I don't think anyone would would have tipped us for a promotion that season. I think we were probably more likely tipped for relegation, if anything. But... Um, you know, it was an incredible group of lads who kind of came together, a, a bunch of misfits, you could almost say, um, who came together and, and made history. And you've got to kind of celebrate that uh, because if you don't, I think you can kind of get caught up in the rat race. Um, and when those moments do come, whether it's high or low, you can kind of get lost in it. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's an element of me that is always kind of, right, okay, striving for the next thing. Um, but I, I do feel that you need to have a balance in life. Um, and when you have that balance, that's when you can kind of go on to, yeah, I think you're at your purest when you, when you've got a balance. See that, uh, you know, you, you're preparing and getting on to the next thing. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to twist this a little bit because when you, obviously when you do become a Premier League player and, and now you're playing against the most elite players in sort of almost in the world, really, well, most likely in the world, obviously we've got sort of elite players in Spain, but most of the best players in the world come to, come to the Premier League and you play in a position where you're matched up against the best players of, of the league, really the strikers and the wingers. Across, you know, probably played in the Premier League what for nine, nine, ten years now, mate, and you've probably seen, you know, all the Ronaldo's, the Salas, the just of the two off the top of my head, but all these these wingers and and strikers, Agueros, who are just ridiculously talented, and you've managed to obviously stay at a level where you're able to compete against them, you know, incredibly well. How are you able to do that? Like, what what sort of? Give me an insight into the process of say you've got. Um, you're playing against the, you know, the first version of Ronaldo on, on a weekend and um, and you've got to prepare for that or you're preparing to play against Mo Salah on a weekend when he's, you know, as much deadly. Like what, what is the process that you go through, you know, mentally, physically? How do you prepare yourself to play against the world's best? Just head it, kick a tackle. Nah, um, <laughs> I think, you know, we've touched on it on in, in, in the conversation uh, earlier on about basics. Um, and doing obviously the best that you can do. Uh, I think obviously, you know, when you're coming up against those kind of guys, it's it's obviously a, it's a challenge. But it's also, um, I kind of relish those challenges because it's it's 
you're testing yourself against the best of the best. Um, so it, it gives you an opportunity to go up against someone who's, you know, world-class players. Um, and that's when you can test yourself and kind of see what you're made of. Uh, and obviously there's moments in the game where you're going to, yeah, it's, it's going to be a struggle, but there's also moments when you kind of get a lift because you've just, I don't know, put in a last-ditch tackle or kind of done something that's, that's enabled your team to go on and have a counter or whatever it may be. But I think um, for me, I've always enjoyed a challenge. I've always wanted to push myself and I've always wanted to test myself. So coming up against some of the greatest players in in, in the world is is something that is exciting it's it's you know an opportunity to um push the limits it's an opportunity to kind of uh like i said test yourself against the best so who are the guys that stick out in your mind uh, that have been not necessarily the most difficult to play against but like yeah who, who are the guys when i'm sort of saying to you the best players in the world that that you've managed to play against who who are the guys that uh, obviously out. I think even if you're not directly up against them playing against the likes of or sharing the pitch with the likes of Gerard and Lampard and Ashley Cole or John Terry or you know Aguero or Suarez or the whole host of of dames is like pretty incredible um to be able to look back and go geez I've I done that um but also you you're there because you deserve to be there because you've worked hard to be there and you've got your job to do and ultimately it's 11 v 11 I know it's cliche but you know the beauty of the Premier League is anyone could be anyone um, and we've seen that throughout this period of time throughout the last X amount of years that you know bottom of the league could be top of the league it's not a given right um, and as soon as you take your foot off the throttle it's, it's came over um, but I think you know playing against those those players is, is ultimately it's it's uh, it's uh, I guess a, a privilege to to do so. Is there any one game that sticks out in your mind is, uh, that you remember that you think that now is like I got challenged today, but I was brilliant. I, I really came up and and managed to deal with him. Um, I don't know really. I probably you probably remember, wouldn't say I, yeah. I probably, probably remember the ones that I've actually struggled with. <laughs> remember those more than, than, uh, than the yeah, other. to a degree. I I always have a bit of a laugh with my brother-in-law because uh, I think that was it was against United and Ashley Young kind of just was was on fire that day. Um, and uh, you kind of come off the pitch and you're like, wow, it's a, it's a tough day in the office. Um, but you know, it's that's that's football you're going to have days like that it's how you kind of learn from that and develop and and move forward and you can kind of i think in those hard times and those times when you are tested to the max is when you learn more about yourself than when you have a a solid great game or like a top performance i think that's great advice mate you certainly do learn about yourself more in adversity right than than when you're than when you're being successful um we're almost done mate so I've only got about three more questions um, for you. And the first one is what the absolute non-negotiable, non-negotiables players need to buy into if they're going to make it as professionals. Um, I think uh, obviously your attitude um, is key. Uh, I think 
hard work um and i guess being being teachable i think uh learning and being teachable is is massive and i think having you know your attitude in the right place and aligned with uh hard work you're going to achieve um you might not necessarily reach the top but you're reaching or your i think the aim is always to bring out the best and we've touched on that the best version of you um and whatever that looks like is success um you know not everyone's going to get the opportunity to play in the premier league but it doesn't mean that that's not successful what does hard work mean for you what is i know is it like it could have different meanings for different people and, and when people listen to this um so i actually you know touched on a, a reason why i'm talking about this is the high performance podcast right is really good and um they have some amazing guests on and gerald and lampard have both been on that podcast i've listened to both of them and Gerard says I was I was the best at Liverpool because I worked hard and I'm thinking oh like I'm desperate for you to go into detail about what that yeah. means because he's exceptionally talented like no one can reach his limits because working hard for him like I can work hard but I can't still reach his his heights I, I, you know won't be able to reach yours ever but what does hard work when obviously we're trying to give people the you know take homes what does hard work specifically mean for you um I guess it's applying yourself in in the in the right manner i guess it's being the best version of yourself i guess it's um you know leaving no regrets um i know that i can look in the mirror or go to bed knowing that i've given everything i i can give um and have tried my best um have left nothing out there uh yes okay there's going to be days when it doesn't go your way or days when you're not feeling like you can achieve that. And there's going to be days when you feel like you can surpass it. Um, but I think if you, again, whatever you do, do it with excellence um, or strive for excellence, then eventually that compounds. And it's, it's those little things and it's those little details and it's those little 1% that make up the 10, 15, 20% will make up the rest of it um, and give you that edge and, and give you the opportunity that maybe maybe you didn't deserve or maybe um, put you in front of, of someone else. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's easy to say, oh, well, someone just got lucky or this or that, but um, I don't think everyone always sees the process or what that person has had to give up or had to do to, to get to where they've got to. Um, so I think it's the miracle is in the process uh, and applying yourself in the right way to the, to the little things compounds and, you know, actually probably gives you a bigger opportunity. Leave no doubt. It's a good plug. Exactly. Uh, last one, Wardy, obviously, thank you so much for your time, mate. Uh, and my question is, what advice would you go back and give yourself now to a 16 year old Joel Ward? Um, I guess to to enjoy it and just know that everything's going to be all right, whether you achieve all that you set out to achieve. Um, it's okay to it's okay to fail. It's okay to um, I guess not kind of 
to not put yourself under the immense scrutiny or pressure to um, succeed in what I guess the world's view is um, because ultimately you're living your life and you can only be the best person you can be uh, so in doing that you're, you'll be fulfilled you'll have joy and you'll have happiness it's a great statement mate it's a great way to finish um, one Wardy, thank you for, for allowing me into your home, obviously, and welcoming me and doing the podcast. Um, two, thank you for, for giving us so much um, key takeaways, obviously, for people listening to this who want to develop develop their own game. I think there's a lot of stuff there that you've spoken about that's absolutely awesome, mate. Um, obviously, incredibly well-spoken, super emotionally intelligent guy. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much, mate, for allowing us to speak to you and, um, and giving us, a, you know, an insight into your career. No worries, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers, boy. Thank you.